0: this is a series of interviews with the riders and volunteers of the annual event gear up for cf at this time there is no cure for cystic fibrosis together we will keep pushing further to create a future where cystic fibrosis is not a life-limiting disease and every canadian living with cf can experience and enjoy everything that life has to offer these are their stories
1: hi my name is mike hamilton I've been a rider with Gear Up for CF since 2012. There's a couple years that I took off due to entry, but I've been part of Gear Up for a while now. Uh, I've also been involved in the organizing committees, um, but the first time uh, I joined Gear Up, I actually was working in the lab of Dr. David Speart, who was one of the co founders of the ride. Um, so uh, that's kind of how I got involved Was I had wanted to do a bike ride. For fundraising for CF anyways, and then I found out that Europe and existed and uh, was quite excited to take part. I was diagnosed when I was about 12 years old. I had been misdiagnosed a lot during my youth. It was an old pediatrician who was doing locums out of Nanaimo, and he misdiagnosed me with asthma and allergies. I had gotten my sinus uh, adenoids taken out, tonsils taken out, all that jazz, but never really got the diagnosis right. Then we got a new pediatrician in town, up in Campbell River, where I was living, and he saw me and was like, uh, you need to go to hospital. (laughs) I think I was, like, less than 15% lung function. I don't know the exact numbers. I was pretty sick. I was at the point where, walking up the stairs, I'd have to have, like, a nap at the top. I was, like, falling asleep in the car ride home from school. Like, I was not in a good place. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, you're going to hospital, you know, you can have tonight, have a nice meal with your family, but uh, you're going in. And I think I spent like a month and a half in the hospital, I think it was a week in Campbell River, and then they shipped me down to a Children's Hospital where they diagnosed me. But I'm, I'm pretty sure the pediatrician in Campbell River knew he just wasn't allowed to make that diagnosis. Yeah, I was I was pretty late with my diagnosis, but it was, it was great, you know, it was just nice to have an answer to what the hell was wrong. It was actually kind of relieving to be like, oh, so like... Hey, look at all these symptoms. That's me. Cool. I can put it in a box and understand why I'm sick all the time. And it actually really helped because, you know, getting onto the right medications and stuff did improve significantly. Uh, I was playing competitive soccer. I was playing rep soccer all the way up until I got diagnosed. But then afterwards, when I got back out of hospital, I could actually partake in the runs and, like, actually keep up. And it was fantastic, right? Not just... Wheezing and like coughing, we got phlegm the entire time. So that was pretty good. I kept up with soccer for a long time and just kept my lung function up in the 90 percentile and it was doing pretty good all the way throughout school. I mean, it was a lot, you know, you're still doing all the medications and all the nebulizers, and that was a lot of work and a lot of effort. And I kept pretty good health up and through my 20s. I mean, I was able to ride my bike across the province three times. Pretty good. It was a lot of fun. So so, yeah, I, I think I was one of the first CF patients that hadn't had a lung transplant to do the entire ride uh, back when we used to do the ride from Vancouver to Banff. I'd like to get back to doing that. School's just been too busy. I know that there's a few people that want to do that this year or next year. It'd be nice to join them on that again because that is quite the ride. You learn a lot about yourself. Um, how much pain are you willing to tolerate and how far are you willing to push your body? You get to that point where, like, it's day nine, day nine is usually the worst. There's hills every day, but day six, you start to like get into a groove and it's fine. And then day eight is like an easy day, super flat all the way through. And everybody just goes super hard. And for some reason, it almost like it's like a racing pace some of the years um when the wind's with you. And so you get in like that night, and you're like, okay, this is yeah, whatever. We pushed hard, but it's fine. Tomorrow's the last day. And then you get like, I about the first climb and you're just like, oh, my legs are dead. I pushed too hard the day before and you're just like struggling. I always struggle every year. It's day three and day nine are always my big struggle days. I mean, the third day was we'd go from Manning Park to a Soyuz, which is like 180 kilometers. And you go from like some years, there's like snow on the ground in Manning Park to like 35 degrees in a Soyuz. <laughs> and so I've gotten heat exhaustion twice doing that stretch on that day. But it's a fun ride, right? And you just, you gotta get back on the bike the next day. The two day ride is a really, really good ride. That is, the first day is like super chill and like you can ride it whatever pace you want. It's flat. There's only like 14 meters of elevation gain over the entire day. You go from Vancouver to White Rock to Abbotsford and it's just super flat. The second day is a little bit more grueling, but you, you definitely have that sense of accomplishment after the second day. Um, getting up to Manning Park is, you, you finish that second summit and you you definitely, I think somebody described it as type two fun, stuff that isn't fun at the time, but you look back afterwards. is like fondly, that was good, I enjoyed that. And so you won't enjoy it necessarily while you're doing it, but you'll look back fondly on it.
0: Tell us a little bit about your research right now and what you're looking
1: ivacaftor and Lumicafter and tri- uh, Um, those are kind of like the main ingredients of the new drug trikafta. Actually, sorry, simde- simdeco is the not lumacaftor, is the second component. So anyways, there's three components to trikafta. All of them do different things to a protein called CFTR. That's the main kind of protein that's messed up in C- uh, cystic fibrosis. Okay. Um, and the drugs do two different things. They help allow the protein to fold properly and then you know, get to the cell surface and then IFAC after helps it make it work so it actually gets to do the thing that it's supposed to do all of these drugs were made without any knowledge of where they bound to the protein they just were doing functional assays it's like hey does the protein get to the cell surface yes good alright does this protein work awesome is it safe yes does it work yes we don't really care what the mechanism is So they just, you know, tried it and it worked and that's, you know, the end of it. But we're looking at like a basic research question of, okay, well, if we want to make new drugs that also target that binding site, we have to find out where that binding site is on the protein because we won't be able to model it because there's new crystal structures of Ivocaptor out there. Uh, So we won't be able to figure out what that binding site looks like and maybe make a different drug that, you know, will fit better. Or maybe be more effective. And so we're trying to figure out where it's binding to the protein. And so I've been making modifications to those drugs to install. I'm making versions of the drugs that have a photoreactive group that allows it to covalently bind to the protein so that it sticks to it instead of just kind of docking into a binding pocket. It's covalently binding. And that what allows us to do is we can digest the protein down into smaller peptide fragments. Mm-hmm. And then we can figure out which fragment we've put that peptide, the, put that label on. And then you can go back and model that to figure out where it looks like. And we recently just published a paper like two weeks ago of our work with IVACAFT where we were able to figure out a uh, binding site where we were able to show that it is labeled. We're just trying to figure out where that binding site is. So that we can maybe then go into trying to figure out how to design drugs for it. This is the first part. Where is it binding? Can we figure that out? So that's kind of the, the first bit. I was lucky enough to get onto the clinical trial for Trikafta. I've been on it now 2018, I think I got onto it. Something along those lines. I've been on Trikafta for a while now. And immediately within a day or two, knew that I was not on the placebo. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the, they talk about this, the purge, or whatever, and it's, yeah, like, I coughed up some of the deepest, dar- deepest darkest, nastiest stuff I've ever coughed up, and then within I had, like, aches and pains for like, a week or two, and then by week three, it was, I don't cough anymore. Pretty immediate. Cleared it all out, and, you know, started to, like, just be like a normal person, and I, I don't cough anymore. I, you know, there's no longer this, like, middle of the night coughing and, like, having to check, am I coughing up blood? None of that stuff, right? Just, like, it's, it's back to being, like, a normal person. I'm kind of fat and out of shape, and just, like, it's wonderful. <laughs> I lost my six-pack because I'm not coughing for 12 hours a day, right? <laughs> it's great. I sleep through the night, I'm fat, and I don't cough anymore. Like, that's my life, and it's wonderful. So, yeah, it's just been a great change. You know, I probably shouldn't admit to like being able to decrease how much medications and nebulizers I do because technically I'm still in the clinical trial and I need to keep that stuff up. But it's so much easier to look after myself now. It's just so much more stable. And, you know, there's, I actually happen to have like ask like questions. Like, if this continues, like, I need to actually have a career. I can't just be in grad school forever. My, my health kind of tailed off in the end of my 20s uh, to the point, like, I think at the lowest... I was starting to be, like, in 70% 70 lung function towards the end of my 20s, which, coming from 90%, felt like a bit of a drop. And it was... I was on the decline, and so I wasn't as sick nearly as bad as my friends are uh, with CF. I was still pretty good. I could still, like, go for a jog, even though I'd struggle. I could still ride my bike. I've, I've got friends that are a lot sicker than i am part of it is trying to know that i'm on this drug and basically not really feeling like a cf patient anymore it's been a struggle trying to like identify with my friends because i have had friends that have one of them got a lung transplant since i've started this medication mm-hmm. another one of them had to be like hospitalized talking to the transplant team trying to be like okay like i need to get access to trikafta or i'm gonna get a transplant like i'm quite used that's sick and so it's like okay i have friends that are almost to the point of dying and i'm sitting here feeling fat and sassy and so it's it's a struggle right <laughs> uh, you know it's 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 hard to it's hard to know know that because this drug was approved in the states in 2019 november 2019 it was approved for use in the states we are now what what year is it oh it's it's uh you know June 4th, 2021. And we still don't have access to this medication in Canada. It's quite frustrating. I know that it's a process, but every day that we don't get this drug, I have to sit here and watch my friends struggle, right? There's three, 4,000 patients in Canada that could benefit from this drug, and right now most of them don't have access. Oh, but we get told that there is special access programs available through Vertex. It's just easier to qualify and talk to the lung transplant team than it is to actually get medication. You basically have to be at the point where you're like ready to get a lung transplant to get onto Trikafta through the special access program. And it used to be called compassionate access, and I, I took a lot of umbrage with that. Because there's nothing compassionate about making people wait until they get sick enough to deem that they're worthy of getting the medication. And so uh, this special access, it's nothing special. It's just, I am glad that my friends that have been able to get the drug are able to get it. I just wish they could have gotten it before they were below 30% lung function.
0: Is that the petition that's on the website right now?
1: I think the website right now is just to be like, look, please just... Well, because the MLAs one is, the approval for these new medications is, I am glad that Health Canada is thorough, and I'm glad that it goes through these kind of approval processes. I just wish that it was more streamlined mm-hmm. and less convoluted. It, it goes first to Health Canada. Health Canada says, yes, we approve this medication. It, great. They've already done that. Then it goes to the Patented Medicines Pricing Review Board, and they set a ceiling price. They say, "Okay, we're going to say you're allowed to charge at most three hundred and thirty thousand dollars for this drug a year." They can they the companies are allowed to negotiate with their pharmaceutical companies a lower price. So if you're insured or covered, can, or the provinces, whoever whoever the buyer is, can negotiate a lower price. They just set the ceiling price. It then goes to Cardiff. Which is an independent review board, and they look at it and go, okay, how much is this drug actually worth? And they say, well, we think this drug is only worth $80,000 a year, because that's what the quality adjusted life year value is that we think this medication provides. And so then they go, okay, well, based on that, well, the PMB said (laughs) $330,000, $330,000, and we don't think it's worth that. So we don't approve covering this medication and so they agree whether or not it should be covered or that the provinces should pay for it after they negotiate the ceiling price and it makes no sense to me it's it's convoluted i don't really understand why they agree whether or not the the drug is worth something after they set the price why not you know agree like do the independent review and see what they say it's worth and then negotiate a price based on that I don't know why that happens, um, but right now, Cadeth is doing their review. I think Patented Price and Review Board is also doing their review. It's kind of expedited, but it, it's really concerning because you look at Australia, and they just said no to having their you know government body huh. recommend paying for it. Uh-huh. And so, like, a country that's pretty similar to us, yeah, it's been approved for use, but it's not going to be publicly funded. At least that was uh-huh. the last I checked for Australia. And so we're sitting here in Canada going, like, okay, it's a good jug. They're going to probably approve it for use, but who's going to pay for it? We're talking 3,000 people, three to 4,000 people, and it's probably going to be about $300,000 a year.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It needs to be covered but it's really worrying that they might not. And that's just on the national scale. Next, it has to go down to the provinces to get their own approvals done. So that's what the MLA one is, is go to your local ones and petition them to get this approved because it needs to be approved because it is the standard of care. Internationally, it should be the standard of care for people with CF. If they can get on this medication, they should. Mm, And we're worried that it's not going to get covered. Um, it's, It's very, very troubling because the saying well like well why don't you just rely on your private health insurance we, we did that already you know lilia zair haravia who's been in the news she's fought this fight already was on or and i believe it was blue cross said we don't want to pay for it anymore and she lost her access to the medication and so she had to fight hard to get that medication back because she, her private insurance said we don't want to pay for it anymore and so we, we need this drug to be covered. We need it to be paid for. And right now, there's been things come out. Apparently, the PMB is saying that we're apparently aligning ourselves with pharmaceutical companies and that we're shills, essentially. Um, and so uh, it, it's it's quite frustrating just because we're advocating, you know, as patients that we want access to this medication. And they're, they're saying that, you know, we're, we're essentially being shills these pharmaceutical companies. Um, so it's quite frustrating right now. Uh, but we, we, we need access to this medication. It's it's overdue. It's been in three, what, four or five months. It'll be two, uh, two years since it was approved in the States. I'm on the clinical trial. I think I'm allowed to talk about it now because the drug's been approved. I'm just on the follow-up. Like, So after six months or whatever it was, they gave every patient the real drug. And so, like the first six months was the double blinded. Then they opened it up and put everybody on the real drug. And now they're just collecting safety data. What are the long term effects? Does it maintain its efficacy, or does it kind of trail off? Do people start to get like, you know, random heart things? What, what happens? People get cataracts. They're trying to look at that kind of stuff. I'm on this that extension study, and that's my only source of medication. the The only thing that I have in writing about my access to this medication is the consent form that I signed to participate in that trial that said when the trial's over, they are not required to provide me with the drug. That is the only thing I have in writing about whether or not I will be on this drug once the trial ends is a consent form that says that they do not need to provide it to me once the trial ends. Because that's that's the normal thing for clinical trials. If the drug doesn't work, they don't have to provide you with it. Normally, normally what happens if the drug gets approved is they grandfather you in coverage. So it's, it's a big ethics question because you've, you have the data to prove for me specifically that the drug worked. It has improved my quality of life. So can they remove coverage from me? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I was super lucky to be on this clinical trial and I'm like gracious to have access to this medication but it's not secure like it's 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 they they keep extending the trial which is like whew, but it's just okay like are they going to be indefinite do i get this drug grandfathered for the rest of my life you know if i go to the states to pursue jobs what happens if i come back what happens you know there's not oh hey i just have this script no i'm participating in a clinical trial if i go to the states for a job i do i Come back every once in a while for my clinical trial? Like, is this now my home base? What do I do? It's not necessarily resolved just because I'm on the clinical trial. Like, we need to access to this medication approved by the government and paid for because it is, yeah, it's expensive at the, at the market rate that there's, they're public with. The provinces can negotiate a lower rate.
0: Do you know any others on this drug? think. Four, five. Oh yeah, they're all great. Whether or not
1: their lung function is improved, I'm back up at ninety percent. But I started at seven percent. My friends who started at thirty percent, maybe at fifty percent, and feeling fantastic. A lot of them are feeling awesome. Most of them, their cough is significantly reduced, and their lung function's improved. Their quality of life's improved. One of my friends, she's you know, pregnant and doing fantastic. She was not doing that great. She's doing wonderful basically everybody I know that's on this drug is doing great. The the clinical trials showed that it's not as effective for some people as it is for others, but most people have a positive response to it. There has been an improvement, whether or not it's only 5% increase in lung function or 30% increase in lung function. Most people are improving and stabilizing.
0: Let's maybe chat a bit about Gear Up and why you like to ride in it every year.
1: I've always been involved with Advocacy for CF. It started in Campbell River because Chris Black, who's like, one of the biggest names in advocacy for CF Canada. like she's, she's been involved for a long, long time. She's from Campbell River. I've just been part of it. <laughs> she got the last two out. I'm like, all right, you're in. <laughs> so And so it's just been part of my life. It's been part of like public face and advocacy for cystic fibrosis. Being healthier than others with cystic fibrosis, I, I wanted to make sure that I tried to do something that could get it out there that like yes like you need to be advocating for cystic fibrosis and gear for CF like I, I wanted to ride across the province anyways but I, I'm like it was gears there and it's like yes that's exactly what I want to do uh, having lost friends to cystic fibrosis I, I feel that I, I don't necessarily owe them but to do as much as I can for the, my friends that are struggling knowing that I can exercise and that I can do all these things use that to try to help raise advocacy and funds for cystic fibrosis. Is, I'm lucky. I'm one of the lucky ones. <laughs> Not only was I healthier in my youth and able to ride my bike without a but now I have it and I'm try and I'm doing great. We need to get this message out because it is so important that we get coverage for this drug. And Knowing that I can be the, like, hey, there's this cystic fibrosis patient that's riding his bike across the province. Isn't that great? Like, that I, I know that that's important for the marketing part of it and use that to help advocate for CF.
0: You keep mentioning two drugs.
1: So, Trikafta is made up of three things: it's got Ivacaftor, Simdeco, and Alexicafter. Uh, that's the three components, that, hence the Trikafta. This is the first one that's worked, and luckily I'm still on it. So, most patients with cystic fibrosis are the main problems are the lungs and pancreas. So your digestion you're taking a lot of enzymes to help you digest your food but the big one is the lung function and so you're doing for those who don't know what a nebulizer is uh if you ever see like movies and like the kid has asthma and they take the kid to the hospital and put the mask on the face and it's got like you know mist coming out of it that's a nebulizer uh the mist depends on what you put in and so for most patients with cystic fibrosis they're on a combination of at least two things You've usually got nebulized hypertonic saline, so saltier water. Um, mm-hmm. And so, what that is is you're nebulizing saltier water into your lungs, and it helps draw moisture out. And so, you're trying to loosen up the mucus to help expectorate it, it. And so, the other one is a mucolytic called uh, alpha-dornase. is the proper name. Palmasyme, sorry. And so, that breaks down some of the strands in the mucus to help it thin it out, so you can try to cough it up because it's really thick, sticky mucus in cystic fibrosis. And so there's usually at least those two things, as well as most patients who have certain infections, uh, you're also on nebulized antibiotics. You're usually doing those two to three times a day. And so each one of those takes 15 to 20 minutes. And so you're doing at least an hour, two hours of like sitting there just hooked up, breathing Mm your nebulized stuff every day. And that's that's just the medication going in part. You also have to do the physiotherapy to get the mucus out, and so you're, you're, there's a lot of different ways that people do that. There's things called pep mask, which is like a positive expiratory pressure mask, so you're like increasing back pressure in the lungs so that you can get some air behind things to help cough it out. Mm-hmm. There's the old school like self um like if you ever watched the old school stuff. I used to do some stuff by myself. Um, there's other things that are like breathing techniques called autogenic drainage. In the States, they use this big vest thing that kind of like shakes. Canada doesn't use that. But, you know, you're, you're doing at least another hour on top of that of doing like, you know, in the morning and at night, and sometimes in the middle of the day to help clear things out. So my, my, my main thing was I did autogenic drainage, but I also played a lot of sports Throughout university, I was playing soccer five days a week, playing saxophone a couple of days a week. Like I was, I was quite active. Yeah, it was my main source of physio was exercise. But you're you're still trying to cop all that stuff out, and like cycling is good for that as well. I don't really have to do any of that anymore, so it's great. But yeah, so it's just a. Not only is it a time cost, but it, so like imagine how tired you are during a forty hour week, and then subtract two three hours of a day of that off of either, like, of just like, not only are you just sitting there breathing in medications, but you're also like hacking and coughing because you're trying to get this stuff out. And so it's a, it's a physical exertion and mental exertion, and just most of the time you're not sleeping well, anyways, because you're coughing too much. So, like, you're coughing up, you're just wasting all of this time doing medications. So, like, and I was one of the healthy ones that I still had to do this. It is exhausting, and there's no days off. Most people, if you're looking at a week going like, oh, I'm going to have to do, you know, like one of those challenges where I'm doing sit-ups and, you know, push-ups and all that stuff every morning, you're going like, well, it's okay because I just have to push till day 10 and there's a rest day. There's no rest days, there's no vacation, it's an every day. There's no like, oh, I just have to make it until that day. No, it's, you do this every day. It is a routine, you do it, and if you don't do it, you get worse. I think that's what a lot of healthy people don't recognize is they might see like somebody doing that medication. They go, oh, okay, that looks tough, but it's the never ending process of it that is the challenge uh, to keep that up. It's nice not having to do that anymore because I'm on this new drug. tricaft is amazing. For those of you listening, Trikaft is amazing. <laughs> I, I just want to get a point that it's, it's for those who aren't on this medication, it is a daily struggle. And right now, The government has the ability to approve this medication, and it has the ability to fund this medication, and they could help reduce that struggle for about 3,000 Canadians. And that's what we're advocating for. That's why we're still doing this bike ride, because the fight's not over. The drug, the miracle drug that they've been saying has been 10 years away since I was 12 years old, is finally here. It's been here for two years. It exists. We need access to it. And the fight isn't done to get that. Until everybody has this medication, we're going to keep fighting.
0: If you'd like to learn more or even become a gear up rider yourself, please visit our website at gearup4cf.com. That's G-E-A-R-U-P, the number 4, C-F com. You can also email us at bcinfo at cysticfibrosis.ca.